Welcome to the Rise Up Good Witch podcast, a radical approach to herbalism, self-care, and the tarot. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 62nd episode of the Rise Up Good Witch podcast. This is Karina. I want to begin today with a moment of silence. It is the day after the fall equinox, and congratulations to all of us who have made it this far in 2020. Um, So I would just like to have this moment of silence to honor the lives lost to police violence during the uprising to COVID-19 and the wildfires ravaging the West Coast. Sometimes there are no words for this. There are no words for the times that we are in, but there's always action. There's always time to move forward. And I hope folks remember that, you know, regardless of who ends up in office, regardless of who wins elections in these coming months, we collectively have power to support one another and to make things happen through mutual aid and direct action and organizing. And my hope is that all of us invest in each other and especially folks that have the most access to privilege. Um, Living in capitalism, the more access to money you have, the more access to resources you have, the more power you have. So that's definitely a direct call towards folks that have economic privilege, but of course also to um, white folks benefiting from settler colonialism. On last week's Virgo New Moon, um, I started working with this season's plant witch mentees for the circle that I teach, and we began on the Virgo New Moon, um, and my mantra is, I create resources for resilience. So that's really what I'm focusing right now is just moving forward and doing the best I can. We move into the darker months, the months that are a lot about our internal world, a lot about magic related to the moon and the shadow work. And I hope everybody is holding themselves with lots of love during this time as we practice ego death, as we move closer to the United States Pluto return. Today I'm excited to share the fourth segment of Plant Person Origin Stories with Jamisa of Jamha Herbals, Jade from Milk and Honey Herbals, and Sarah Schuster from Tending the Wild podcast, um, and Fox and Elder. And when I collected these stories back in around May, I collected most of these stories back around May, although a few are still coming in. Um, These three I knew immediately I wanted to put together. I thought there was like a vibe between them that fit really perfectly. And I, you know, I think all of these folks are doing really awesome things um, with plants right now and have a lot of really cool offerings. And there's so much we have to learn right now about working with the earth. 
just moving forward as much as we can in these times. So thanks to everyone that supports this podcast. Um, This podcast is sponsored by my Patreon. You can help sustain this work by going to www.patreon.com slash riseupgoodwitch. A pledge starts as low as $2 a month. That helps this podcast sustain. And at $5, you get a regular 25% discount on Apothecary, a 20% a 20 or sorry, it's actually a 20% discount on Apothecary, a 25% discount on tarot readings, and weekly content from me, including a new moon zine, a full moon collective reading, and now I'm doing on the quarter moon weeks, I'm doing a tarot lesson and story. So we're kind of like working with the swords right now because this feels like swords times, especially because we're entering Libra, the sign of justice and the planet of Venus and the Empress and self-love and communication and relational work. And since I'm a Libra rising, this is the time the sun crosses my ascendant. So I'm hoping that it'll be a fruitful time, if not a time in which we continue to acknowledge collective and individual grief. So check out the Patreon if you want to support the podcast and get more content. Um, and also, there I think I'm two reviews short now of 200 reviews. Yay! So if you want to help out with that, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. I can't even say how much I appreciate that. Um, and also share the podcast with friends if you enjoy it. This podcast is super DIY, obviously. It will always be super DIY, and um, I wouldn't have it any other way. So I hope you enjoy. Oh, and the last thing I wanted to say, (laughs) I recorded this intro twice. This is the second time I'm recording this intro. Um, So I'm a little, I'm just going to, I'm just going to let it all come out very authentic to where I'm at in this moment. I'm offering a sale for the Equinox, and that's because I'm creating a couple of new potions in time for Samhain, and I want to clear out some of the apothecary to make room for that. So you can get 25% off apothecary zines, stickers, and also the four-card letter reading uh, when you use the quote Equinox at checkout. So you can do that between today, Wednesday, uh, the 23rd, and Sunday, um, I believe it's the 28th of this month at midnight, Pacific Standard Time. So check that out and... Sending everybody lots of love, lots of resilience and strength, um, moving into a new season and this new year and this new time that we're in. Oh, and quick correction. It's actually Sarah Schuster's podcast is called Tending Seeds. So check it out. And I hope you love these stories. Karina, this is Jamisa Hawthorne, 
and I want to say thank you for reaching out and including me to be a part of your plant people and origin story. Um, so I'm excited to share mine. I am a black queer femme herbalist. I grew up outside of Portland, Oregon in the Pacific Northwest and that's where I began my herbal studies about nine years ago. I It's hard to remember exactly and pinpoint exactly what intrigued me um, and sparked my curiosity, but I started work trading at an herb shop in Portland, and I just remember being like, okay, I'm just going to immerse myself in this environment. Um, I just think I, I think I really wanted to find a little more autonomy for myself in terms of healing and in terms of wellness. Uh, I wasn't totally satisfied with the medical industrial complex, believe it or not. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was just looking for something different, something more um, satisfying. And, um, you know, I grew up uh, spending a lot of time outdoors and um, in the forests of the Pacific Northwest. And I remember gardening with my grandmother and my mother and my siblings. Um, so I've, I, you know, me and nature have been buds for a little while. Um, and so I think, yeah, when I decided to just really go for it, things really sparked for me in terms of herbalism. Um, so I did that work trade and part of my... Um, part of the program was meditating with an herb of choice and making a tea with it and going to a meditation room and just journaling your experience. And this is still to this day one of my favorite ways to build relationships with herbs and spend time with them and get to understand them and really listen to them um, and, yeah, really get closer to them and... and benefit from them. So I, I incorporate, you know, meditation and divination and creative inspiration and ancestral um, connection in the medicine that I make today for my business. I um, have a product line of tinctures with the option to customize. Um, tinctures are clinically informed. Um, after the work trade, I then felt led by my heart to go to the south and spend time in New Orleans um, and I continued and dove a lot deeper into my herb studies there working at the Maypop herb shop under the guidance of uh, Rachel Reeves and Jen Stovall learning a lot about southern folk medicine and also um, harm reduction approaches and that was just like a very, I absolutely loved being in community with the people there. Um, I then was pulled to Philadelphia for about a year where I sought out an herbal program that was an eight month intensive, more, um, more, was more about energetics and um, did a lot of plant walks and botany. And I've just always loved all the different components of herbalism, like the scientific aspect, like I'm such a nerd and I love to geek out on constitutions and body systems. 
Um, and then there's also like lineage and traditional herbalism. And I absolutely love learning more and more about African-American slave medicine. I love learning more about uh, folk medicine. Those are some of the things that just help me feel really connected. Um, having ancestors um, who are from the South and also um, the creative aspect of herbalism. I love putting um, artistic um, touches into it and just allowing um, inspiration to really um, be a part of my medicine making and my practice. Um, let's see, I also did a three-year online program with Rosemary Gladstar. That was really great. We learned a lot about body systems there. Um, I would say my first uh, applications with herbs for myself was mental health support. And I might not have realized it up front when I was younger, what I was really reaching after, but I was going for all the nervines um, to really help support me in depression and bipolar. So I would say mental health. And then also I was um, in a car accident midway through um, my herb journey and I uh, couldn't walk for a couple of weeks and I was like okay let's do this I'm gonna make infusions of what did I do at the time I think I did comfrey and horsetail and oat straw just really like nourishing mineral rich herbs and I felt so much better, like drinking really strong brews. And then, of course, using salves for um, topical scars and pain. Um, yeah, I experienced a lot of pain at that time. So, yeah, those are some of the like beginning points for me when I really turned to herbs and I was like, okay, you know what? This is something that really works for me. And especially as a black femme. Um, being able to have like this autonomy and you know plants are they can't be owned you know like they are for I mean they're accessible they're available and um, that's just always been really important to me especially because I will say that in um, my education like my herbal journey um, with western herbalism it has been overwhelmingly and exhaustively white and um, tone deaf in a lot of ways so yeah it's just been very um, valuable and important to me to be able to form my own relationships with plants and in the work that I do now I really um, strive to encourage and facilitate empowering connections with plants um, and herbs and specifically centering and uplifting black and brown and queer and trans people in the work that I do. So I will stop there. I think I went a little bit over. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and um, good luck with everything. Let's see. My website is jamhotherbals.com and you can find me on Instagram at jam underscore ha. Thank you again, Karina. Have a wonderful day. Hi, everyone. This is Jade Alessandro Mace with Milk and Honey Herbs, and this is my herbal origin story. So I grew up in the suburbs of Western Massachusetts with 
no knowledge or understanding that herbal medicine even existed. But I was lucky enough to have a patch of woods behind our house. And I spent a lot of time back there with my cousin. And it's when I look back, it's pretty funny because we spent our all our time foraging for plants. <laughs> and we had no idea what was edible, what wasn't. It was just a whole part of like this imaginative game. So we never ate anything, but we would forage these plants, we'd harvest them, we'd prepare them, we'd store them. And it's a huge thread throughout my childhood. And I was also really lucky to grow up with a father who has had and continues to have like total animist leanings. So meaning when we were out in the woods because we did go hiking and camping a fair bit we'd be hiking and we'd see some really beautiful spot in nature that was kind of sparkly that now I could I can notice these places and I'm sure a lot of you can too that just have that special feeling and you'd point them out to me and just say you know those are those are where the nature spirits live the elementals he would call them and so I got to grow up with this like animist framework that I never questioned it just always made total sense to me and I'm so so grateful for that so um, fast forward really to college and at, in college I started ma I started off majoring in wildlife conservation because I, I knew I wanted something that kind of interacted with nature. Very quickly I learned that it was actually more like wildlife management which I was not into. And so I switched majors to plant ecology because I was just loving all the plant classes I was taking. So that was really my entry point into herbalism because I then um, out of college got a job as a botany field tech with the Forest Service, working on this big project looking at habitat for endangered steelhead and bull trout. And my job was to identify riparian herbs along the stream banks. And I really credit that with that was really when herbalism opened up for me and really it just started off because I had some books, some identification books that had some ethnobotanical uses and I just kind of took off with it from there. And I remember really clearly one of the first plants I ever correctly identified or I don't know, not correctly, but like one of the first medicinal plants that I identified and then ended up using is catnip. Remember, it was growing on this bank and I harvested it, dried it, um, smoked it. And that just pretty much like sealed my identity as like the, you know, weird plant girl on the project. And I was like totally fine with that and <laughs> uh, continues to this day. <laughs> but um, yeah, so catnip was one of those just early memories. And then from there... I um, did a whole lot of self-study for several years. Just I eventually was able to get some herb books at some uh, used bookshops and would kind of work on like my off time, um, just identifying plants, especially medicinal ones. And then I finally decided that I wanted to study the plants uh, formally. And so I moved back to Western Massachusetts and it, it, which is, it turns out, a hub of herbalism. There's a lot of herb schools here and um, just moved, I moved a little bit farther north from where I grew up. So I moved up to the Amherst Northampton area, which is also where I went to college. So still had a lot of community there. And right when I moved back, right, you know, when I was about to, you know, get into herb school and all of this, my brother unexpectedly died. And that was actually a huge entry point into herbalism for me, looking back. I remember 
I had this one herb book called The Herb Book by John Lust, which is kind of this famous book. It's got so many herbs in it, these little tiny little snippets and of each herb, but so many. And I remember finding growing in profusion in our backyard uh, violet and lemon balm. The violet was just wild and the lemon balm was, had taken over my mom's garden. And it was spring, and so everything was just like super vibrant. And I, we leaned on those plants so heavily those first couple weeks when you're just in that real shocky place after a loss. And um, yeah, we put, I just spent all my time that I could out there in the garden. I just would find myself out there being drawn to sitting with the plants, harvesting the plants, making things with them. And especially, it was really specifically violet and lemon balm. So we would put le- violet leaves and flowers and all our salads. I was making everybody lemon balm tea. We took lots of lemon balm baths. That was incredibly healing. And a really, you know, when I look back, kind of a a major moment when it was the first time that I really worked with medicinal plants in a way, not just for myself, also with family members and saw a dramatic effect. And at that same time, that same spring, going into summer, I signed up for my first herbal apprenticeship, which met monthly. And um, and then I also got a job at local apothecary, local herbal apothecary. So I just went like full immersion. And really from there, spent a bunch of years at different herb schools. And really the, the herb shop job was also like super formative because it was kind of like an old school apprenticeship in the way that you can't really get as easily these days. And because um, the herbalist there was the owner and had a very active practice and I would make all the formulas and get to, you know, really see uh how clinical herbalism works, and then also just consulting with folks over the counter with things often. So that was a really important formative time for me. And during that time, some of my friends and I started a small little mutual aid uh, project called the Community Apothecary. And, you know, it were, it's no longer, it doesn't exist anymore. We are really young, but we're all still friends. And, but it was, you know, we had these grand visions. Um, and so what we started off with, one of the first things we did was we led a herb walk, a by donation herb walk. And they just really were the ones that encouraged me to start teaching. It was my friends, my community. They were like, Jade, you got to do this. It's time. And so really it was with their encouragement that I remember leading my first herb walk. It was super well received and it really started to give me the confidence to teach out in the community more and more. Um, During this same time, I had a nice sort of ancestral weaving experience that also sort of solidified things for me, which was, I remember I was at a potluck at my great aunt's house and it was this huge like Italian feast. It, was, it wasn't a potluck, actually. It was just, you know, an Italian feast. And I remember it was like, oh my gosh, afterwards, like I need some bitters. So I remember going out to the yard, picking a big dandelion leaf, walking into the kitchen, munching it, thinking nothing. And my great aunt Stella just exclaiming like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen anyone eating dandelions or picking dandelions since Ma used to do it back in the day. Ma was her mother, so my great-grandmother. She was the daughter of immigrants from the Naples region in Italy and Sicily. She was the youngest of, I think, nine, and I think the only sibling that wasn't born in Italy. And there was a, you know, it just stirred this memory of... um, 
for my great aunt of my great grandmother picking these dandelion greens, feeding them. And then that then stirred for my father about certain herbs that she used to make. And, you know, I don't, I wish I knew more. I don't know as much as I wish I did, but it was just kind of just gives you that seed where it's like, well, this comes from somewhere. You know, I, I'm not just the weird plant girl, (laughs) you know, there is a lineage here. And that was a really beautiful moment for me. And, um, you know, and, and since leading the plant walk, I just continue with continued with classes. And really, that just kind of takes us to where we are now. And so, yeah. So thanks so much, everyone. Thanks, Karina. And loving all these herbal origin stories. Happy to be a part of it. Bye. Hello, friends. My name is Sarah Schuster, and I am a community herbalist and an herb farmer. Beginning in high school and for several years after, I was in a relationship with someone who had parents that were herbalists and vegetable farmers. I was incredibly fortunate to learn a lot from them, and my time with that family really fostered my love of the plant world. I really felt at my happiest when I was working with the plants. But y'all know how this goes. So as so often happens, I had a lot of messages coming at me from other people about needing to get a so-called real job. And so I tried that, moving through several different career paths over the next decade and never really feeling fulfilled in any of them. The last stop on this career ride was in restaurant work. I started as a cashier and then worked my way up to general manager, thinking that I wanted to open my own restaurant at some point. I was saving as much money as I possibly could towards this goal, while also beginning to recognize the toll that this job, you know, the hours, the stress, being on my feet 24-7, was taking on my physical and mental health. Around this time, my mom, who lives nine hours away, had to have an emergency surgery and needed someone with her. I drove there immediately with nothing except a few changes of clothes thrown in a bag, having no idea how long I would end up being there. She recovered and she's fine now, but I was there for two weeks with her and found myself for the first time in probably over a decade with nothing to quote unquote do. I hadn't even had time to pack a book. So during this time, I found myself with room and mental space to really slow down and think back over the trajectory that I was on. I found myself retracing the path my life had taken and looking for where the bright spots were. I was asking myself, what were the things that had truly lit me up inside? And I kept going back to that period of time of working on that vegetable farm and doing the CSA and also learning about herbs. And I had this really crystal clear memory of how good it felt to stand in that kitchen with garlic hanging from the rafters and just standing in front of, you know, shelves upon shelves of tinctures all around me. And I had felt so supported by the power of those plants. So I started looking into what I would need to do in order to become an herbalist. Uh, There are lots of different paths to that destination, of course, but eventually I found a program that appealed to me and was also within my budget, which was super important. I initially thought that I just wanted to focus on working with clients, doing herbal consultations, and maybe also making herbal products. But pretty early on into my program, my teacher made a comment about how so many of the herbs being sold on the market today, regardless of, you know, quality, there was no judgment there, but just that how so many of them were coming from overseas and that there weren't enough bioregional growers of medicinal herbs and also getting into the concept of, you know, the energy of the herbs, if they're being grown on the same land where you are 
kind of resonating with you more than something that was grown, you know, 3000 miles away. This was a huge like light bulb moment for me. Um, It was just so phenomenal. And so I already knew that I loved growing things and I loved being on a farm and I had experience doing all of this. So this was just like a huge light bulb over my head of, you know, why not have an herb farm then and be able to grow medicinal herbs for people in my area. So over the next six months, I finally quit my restaurant job. I enrolled in an herbal program, started my herbal studies, and then took the money that I had been saving as the down payment for a restaurant uh, and put that instead into the down payment to start an herb farm. Starting a farm is by far some of the hardest work I have ever done, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Building this life, getting to share plants with others, it has been so incredibly fulfilling. I started teaching herbal workshops at a local store last year, and it's been amazing to see others light up with the joy of starting to walk their own plant paths. Being able to blend running a biodynamic farm with my spiritual identity of being a plant witch, and then getting to share that with others is everything I had hoped it would be and so much more. Making herbal preparations from one moon cycle to the next, planting according to the moon, connecting with the land here... This is joy that I honestly have never known in any other endeavor that I've tried. And I am so excited to see what my local plant community will look like a few years from now as we all continue to learn and grow together. Before I wrap up, I also wanted to give a shout out to a particular plant that has been so instrumental to my personal health and well being. I named my business Fox and Elder because of my love of elder flowers. When I was still doing restaurant work, I realized towards the end that I was starting to have a pretty negative relationship with alcohol, using it as a way to numb out things I didn't want to deal with, Uh, especially that job. (laughs) So I was in the habit of getting home from work and immediately having a drink either to calm down from the day or to reward myself for having gotten through the day. And I knew I didn't want to do that anymore, especially because one drink was turning into two drinks, turning into three drinks, and I could see like where this road was going to lead me. So I decided I needed to stop drinking completely before things progressed further and I lost control. After I stopped drinking, I realized the one thing I was consistently missing was something called St. Germain, which is an elderflower liqueur. A few months later, I randomly discovered some non-alcoholic elderflower drinks, and it was this other light bulb moment for me. I realized that I hadn't actually been missing the alcohol, I had been missing this amazing, incredible flavor. So I started to do some research into elderflower and its properties, and it was like I had just relearned the name of a long-lost friend. Elderflower has been my favorite herb since even before I knew I wanted to become an herbalist. And so it was the first herb I planted here at the farm, and it brightens my heart every day to have it here with me. to the rise up good witch podcast if you enjoyed the show please rate and review in itunes and check out www.riseupgoodwitch.com for more information about tarot readings and the apothecary